0: reading from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 4 verses 14 to 21. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him then he began to say to them today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing the gospel of the Lord
1: you know a couple weeks ago uh, I got up on a Monday morning and my wife was getting dressed and she. Uh, it was the first day of the strike for the LAUSD. Now, if you don't know this, my wife is a LAUSD school teacher that works at what's a school called Hillcrest Elementary School, which is in South Central. She's been teaching there for 22 years, and she has a love for the children and a love for the community there. So she voted yes to go on the strike, and so when she came out. I looked at her and I said, oh my goodness, you look like you're panhandling. <laughs> because she was wearing two pairs of pants, she had boots, she had this red uh, tarp kind of thing uh, on, and a beanie on and a hat above the beanie was her strike signs. And so she picketed in front of the school, then took the train with a bunch of teachers. And I remember watching this and I'm going, there's got to be a break in this. They they don't understand what's going on. And so I would ask Jennifer. I would say to Jennifer all the time, what do you think's going to happen? And she goes, "I don't know." Because she said the leaders above are so dogmatic and with the privatization of schools and they don't have money. And I know we they have the money. But they're so blind in their own ways that who suffers is the children. And so then I watch the nightly news, and I see what's going on, that the government shutdown is, is 15 days in, 20 days in, with nothing, no one talking. And, and I'm going, does everybody have to be right? Does everyone get stuck in their own ways that other people have to suffer? And so what's interesting today is when I looked at the passage of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is awesome. I mean, I'm telling right now, when I go to heaven, we were joking about this in the Saturday service, like there was a Cracker Barrel in heaven. Who knows? <laughs> but I, but I, we were talking, I would call the Apostle Paul. I would love to have lunch with him. And I would love to see Jesus face to face. I just would love him. I know he's in here. But man, just experience him face to face. Because man, his teaching is so deep and so profound to this day. And so Jesus had problems with the leaders, the leaders, the religious leaders doing the same thing as the leaders in the L.A.U.S.D. and our Washington D.C. They were so stuck in their ways that they, they did not see what was going on around them. In fact, Jesus called the religious leaders blind guides. They were blind to what was going around because what Jesus did, he healed someone on the Sabbath. God forbid that was completely blind from birth, and he healed them, but they were so stuck in their ways, they didn't see the miracle that God was doing because it didn't fit in their agenda. And so you look at this and go, oh my goodness. And so in order to win, you have to have someone to lose. And so this is where it clearly shows that sometimes we are blind to see the injustice that what is happening to us and what is happening to the 800,000 people that are not getting paid, which does not include the government contractors. And we know that the government shutdown is over for three weeks. And so we see on the news That, my goodness, people are suffering, people are going to food banks, people are borrowing money, people are trying to make it, but yet trying to work. And then I thought about this, and I put it on the screen. Having to win at all costs is very costly, isn't it? It's very costly. Now, let me not get on the politicians anymore, and let's look back at ourselves that we are just like this too. I see people arguing on social media that are friends on Facebook that all of a sudden they share something that's controversial, and they go at it, calling each other stupid, dumb, and idiot, and whatever, and they're going, these are your friends? Or okay. oh, frenemies? Is that what they call them? <laughs> frenemies. And so not only this, is when we see people going through divorce, that all of a sudden it's about being right and overlooking their children and it's about splitting money and they would rather pay the lawyers 100 percent of their money than give 50 50 percent of their money because it's about being right it's about being them it's about principle they say and so the children end up suffering too and it's interesting too even within the body of christ I, you know i've been i grew up in the church there are some dogmatic arguments about biblical interpretation of truth within the body of Christ, where there's screen fest that are going on, and I've observed it. And so when you have this big desire that you have to be right at all time, there's a cost. Because you have to surround yourself with people that would conform in your way of thinking. And so therefore, if they don't conform in your way of thinking, your rationality, which is your rationality, that basically you're done with the other people. And so therefore, we don't treat each other as human beings. We treat each other as obstacles. And so what happens the load of life increases more than more. We're increasing other people's loads as they're increasing our load. And so therefore, our perspective of life, our perspective as a country is just negative because our loads are so heavy because we're just loading each other up. Now, I'm not saying you should turn around and play dead when you see something going, when you see some injustice. We just celebrated Martha. Martin Luther King weekend where he stood up for injustice. We saw the LA teacher strike that showed us they stood up for justice. But when we get so stuck in our own ideals, then we become blind to them and others. So what the nation needs, and this is what this is just my opinion, the nation needs good news. It really does. It needs to lighten up. And where we can lighten each other's load up. And so, therefore, the bad news, we're we hit with, we're hit with people that are yelling their opinions, which is sometimes not based on facts. And then when they're based on facts, we go, is that real? I don't think that's real. And then we say, we don't believe it. And so we're struggling under this heavy load. And so then, this passage, what Jesus does, this is a dude's first sermon, okay? And the thing is, what I like about this, I remember my first sermon. And you may think it's right now, but because my, 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 you need work. But it was in 1985, and it was based on John chapter 15. And I remember giving my first sermon, and I I told my dad, Dad, I want you to um, pray after I preach because I still, a long time ago, was still trying to get my dad's love and stuff like that. So I asked him to pray. He came up and he was very emotional. I go, I don't know what he's emotional. Did I embarrass him? I I have no idea, but I hope it was good. And so Jesus' first sermon, the sermon started off that he reads the text, which wasn't New Testament because he was living the New Testament. It was an Old Testament text in Isaiah. And so then he says this. This is what you call a mic drop if they had mics during Jesus. So it says he was looking at a scroll and in the scripture that we heard, he was looking for it, and then he began to read. He began to read this on the screen. The spirit, alone is upon, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim and release to the captives, and recover of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he goes, the prophecy has been fulfilled. And so you look at that and you go, dang, dude, this is exactly what our society needs right now. Exactly what we need right now. Now, if you've done, which is interesting, because he quoted the book of Isaiah, then you read this, then go what he quoted in the book of Isaiah. Jesus excluded something out of it it's really interesting you look at the book of Isaiah and you look at what he wrote and you go he took something out of it so then you look back at Isaiah chapter 61 follow me how he ended to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor that's where he stops. and the day of vengeance of our God he doesn't say that part it's very interesting to me and so why doesn't he say that because a lot of Christians are focused on vengeance. Because that's not who he is. That's not the message. Vengeance is not the good news. And so it's interesting that I look at this, because sometimes as Christians, and for me, that we get stuck in the self-righteous, narcissistic, judgmental little attitudes. And maybe I'm a little forward there. And therefore, what we say, God's on our side. Right? And so this is what we call retributive justice. Retributive justice is simply, because a lot of Christians do this kind of justice, it's basically an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Retributive justice. Let me give you an example. I was, my first wife, we were married in 1988. She had an affair. I caught them in 1992. And I remember calling her, the gentleman that she was with and I said to him on a phone call I really want to work on my marriage and I would ask if you would respect that and leave her alone and he said no that he was going to pursue her and that I was self centered now what kind of justice did I want retributive right so therefore I was quoting scripture vengeance is mine says the lord you know, you're going to rot, you're going to die, you're going to hell, you know, and all this, right? Because if he's going to destroy my life, I'm going to destroy his. Now, what has really happened, thank God for healing, and I shared with you guys six months ago that the gentleman came to our church in May because I was interviewing his daughter about her restoration. And when I saw him at the door, he gave me a hug and wept and said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything I've done. I'm sorry for taking your wife. I need your forgiveness. That was powerful. And that's called restoration, restorative justice. That's the justice Jesus is all about. Now, follow me on here. Because you don't get any joy when you have an enemy that's not doing well. There's no, yes, you know, you have fantasies of doing that but there's no joy in it. And so this is where the restorative justice, restorative where we get the word restore, that's why I'm focused on restore in order to restore. Follow me on the screen. God's justice is about restoration. It's done by remaking us over and over again until we become like Christ. Instead of giving out vengeance, God gives us grace. Grace is the power of unconditional love at work to right, what is wrong. It works to restore the poor who have been robbed of their dignity by the greedy. It works to open prison doors for those unjustly sentenced. It works against the many ways in which people are held down by oppression. And it enlightens our eyes so that we don't remain blinded by our own self-righteous prejudice. That retributive, let me see, the gentleman that was Okay, I don't, I don't don't want you to go off on me here. The gentleman that was um, arrested, his last name's Moore. Trump, it would Stone. Stone Stone. Remember, he, he's the one that came up with the phrase "lock her up, lock her up." Restorative, just um, redemptive? not redemptive. Retributive. And then when he comes out, what did they yell? Lock him up! Lock him up! So our society is totally into the uh, retributive justice. But this is not the justice Jesus is talking about. The good news is so radically different than the bad news. We are used to, in this world, radically different. Instead, if we are people that want to win at all costs, then there's no joy in life, and life is so heavy. Back on the screen. and the center of the gospel, This is the gospel is called the good news, correct? Right? there is a cross on it and god who instead of pouring out his vengeance upon humanity allowed himself to be murdered by self-righteous judgment and vengeance God chose to be in solidarity with every human who has suffered the same unjust fate. He suffered it in order to expose the kind of judgment that most have a victim and to introduce a way of grace and forgiveness, which pays the way for true justice and restoration. The cross is the ultimate truth. It reveals that God is love. In the cross, mercy triumphs over judgment. Now follow me on this. You know our sign in the front? It basically says, No judgment, only love. That was done on purpose. It wasn't like, Hey, we have nothing else to do, let's put that up. <laughs> That's the message that I want to send the church to lift people's load. Because when they look at church, what do they think? Judgment. judgment. So, therefore, you know, before we had the sign, we used to change the letters around. This was 20 years ago. And if you can't spell it, and I remember thinking, I wish these signs had spell check. Because I go, I think that's right, but I don't want to look like an idiot, you know. Because sometimes we give people that call and say, you know that sign? It's spelled wrong. <laughs> you know, and I go, Then tell me how to spell it then. And so, so a few weeks ago, this was on the news. It's, it's, it's a church called God is Good All the Time. So I want you to look at it. You can read it yourself does this lighten the load of people that drive by or does this make the load heavier now when bruce jenner when she looks at the sign does it make it lighten the load or does it heavy the load is it restorative no do you see what i mean well however you interpret scripture this is not the way that, it's, that we should do. We need to lighten people's load. Now pile on the burden of judgment. Because let me tell you, for people to change, all of us to be restored, judgment doesn't work, does it? If, if somebody hey, comes up to me and says, hey, fat boy, how you doing? That doesn't motivate. That shames. And so, therefore, it's just amazing to watch that we as the evangelical church have to understand, look at what Jesus teaches about the good news. And so it's about this restorative justice that he talks about. in these days where there's constant bad news that somehow can we as a body of Christ bring good news to somebody to say, you know what, God's job is to judge. The Holy Spirit's job, that's conviction. My job is like Jesus, and just show gracious love to one another. That's important, and that's what we are called to do. I don't want somebody else's job. I don't want to be judged. That's a hard job. And I can't do the conviction because I'm not the Holy Spirit. And so therefore you think, well, how can I do this? I'm just one person. You can do it to one person. Have you ever been with somebody that just drains the crap? I'm sorry sorry, apologize, forgiveness, I'm a mortal man, (laughs) They just drained you, and you're just crawling on the floor when you leave them and go, I'll see you in seven years (laughs) when I have the emotional energy, but then you're around other people that just, you're with them five or six hours, and you go, man, it just seems like 30 minutes, why is that? Because the one that is always self-righteous, always has an opinion about everything, always thinks they're right about everything, and therefore you can go, i got a headache, and they're, they're a doctor all of a sudden. Hey, I'm, <laughs> all of a sudden I'm having I'm, I'm a the car, they're a great salesperson now, and then you go, gee, Louise, you're just great at everything, aren't you? But man, what excites me when people are just open with their brokenness, and they're humble, and they're not self-righteous, and they love me for me. That's what I just, man, I'm jazzed about that. And that excites me. And so this is where we can bring light, help each other's light and look. Look, when we worshiped together, the worship was awesome, whoever put those songs together. Not saying the other Sundays aren't, but this one, I love that jazz. I was trying, didn't you like that jazz? Was that jazz? I really, I really liked it. I was trying to get, him and I had to dance, do a jazz dance. The... I have no rhythm. If I had... yeah. It was good, wasn't it? It was very good. We are very diversified as a church. And it's not just racially, it's politically, it's socially, it's a belief system. But we come as one together during worship. We worship one Christ. And that's what's amazing. Because without diversity, there's no unity. You know that, right? If there wasn't diversity, there would be conformity. Conformity and unity are two completely different things. So can I love you when you're a so-and-so supporter or a so-and-so supporter? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so during the worship, back on the screen, he opens our eyes to see the body of Christ. That's why we have communion each week. If we can see Jesus in bread and wine, then we can see him in each other. And that changes everything. I don't have to be you. You don't have to be me. I don't need to need to change for you. You don't need to change for me. God's gifted you. God's gifted me. God is in you. God is in me. We are not in competition we are one body made of many parts, all in which are vital. Together, we lift the load. Together, we bring the good news of restoration. Now, this is where I want to meet Paul. Because Paul is as perfect, when he was formerly known as Saul and Paul, of restoration. A restorative restoration. Follow me. This is what he says. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members are of one body, though many in one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jew, Greek, slaves, or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. In one member suffers, all suffer together with it. In one member is honored, all, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We all are. I Look, do you remember when Jenny was reading about the least body parts that we don't see? I, I thought I'd say, hey, Google, how do I get out of a sermon that I don't like? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, my earpiece wasn't on. Sorry, it just came out. Okay. (laughs) So the thing is here, wherever I was, let's connect it. When we connect with God, we connect with one another. And what I was saying was there's different parts of the body that are not seen that are more important than the scene. Nobody has seen my congenital heart valve. Nobody has seen my physical heart. Nobody has seen where I've been going to doctors every two weeks since August to work on parts of my body which are not seen that are far more important than this. It keeps me alive, right? And so what happens is, what he was saying, it's vitally important, even in the parts. You are a vital part of this body. You are a vital part of this body. And so even if you're not seen, I'm just up here, I'm seen. But you are more important than me. And so this is where on the screen, let us recognize Christ in the others. Be people who bring the good news of restoration. Let us be willing to lay down our entitlement in order to humbly serve and lift others' burdens. We matter now more than ever. The Lord gave me a prophetic word yesterday. And I was going and I I, I was thinking, this is too in your face. And so this morning, I woke up, and I go, oh, it's not there anymore, which is good. Because I believe that God is trying to gift me in propheticness, but I don't like it. During the worship service at the last song, the impression was really strong again. And my reaction was, dang it. But let me be obedient, Okay. Somebody here today, and I want you to know that I'm being being because Christ loves you. You're struggling with the shame and guilt of an abortion because the evangelical church has put that load on you heavy. No one understands why you had to do it. I don't, and you're sitting there going. I cannot be loved and somehow you put yourself in this prison that you think you deserve and god put you in god is about restorativeness he wants to be free from that he wants to live joyful again he is that's over with and so whoever it is i don't want to don't need to talk to you. I don't need to say anything unless you want to. But God wants you to be free. This church will always focus, as long as I'm breathing in your pastor, on restoration, restored in order to restore. God loves you. God cares about you. God does not love you less than what you did because what you did is not who you are. Be free. Be free. Whoever that needs to hear that, I'm just being obedient. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord bless his word. Amen.